You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 64. Hey there, Impact Drivers. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking all about leadership in a time of crisis, how to unite, empower, and inspire teams from anywhere. This episode is sponsored by Rike. Rike is a collaborative work management platform that enables teams to be insanely productive by transforming the way they plan, manage, and complete work. More than 20,000 companies worldwide rely on Rike to manage complex projects and ensure deadlines are met. By bringing everyone into a single digital workspace, no matter where individual contributors are located, teams can achieve aggressive growth goals while improving efficiency and maintaining quality. Learn more at pmoimpactsummit.com forward slash Rike. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Reich. And with me today is Amir Yunus. Welcome, Amir. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. Excited to be with you. Absolutely. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Amir before we dive in. He is the Vice President of Client Success at Reich. During his time at Reich, Amir has built and led an internationally recognized client success team and has helped take Reich from a $35 million company to over a hundred million. Wow, congrats, that's a big deal. Over his 20 plus year career, Amir has led organizations in the technology, government, retail, healthcare, financial services, and consulting sectors in the United States, Europe, Peru, and Chile. Before joining Reich, Amir was a senior leader at both Rocket Fuel and Medallia, and a strategy consultant at PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and Booz Allen Hamilton. So I would say that Amir's probably seen it all and can tell us a great deal about leading people in a time of crisis. So I am super excited to dive in. So with that said, I just wanna kind of frame all of this for all of you impact drivers. And Amir, that's what I call my community, impact drivers because that's what it's really all about. It isn't about project management or PMOs. It's about making a huge impact in the organization, the why, why we're there in the first place. And I would just say that there is just no question that leadership today means facing a really unique set of challenges and leaders must find a way to empower and motivate dispersed teams and employees and facilitate this cross-functional collaboration, and you know and operating in an environment like we never have before right and for many organizations when 2020 hit they had to make this switch overnight and i would say managing in chaos is putting it mildly right (laughs) it's been it's been crazy and i also see that this is a really unique opportunity for pmo leaders and project leaders to step up and finally earn their seat at the table And so I'm so interested in talking specifically about the leadership qualities that are necessary for all of our impact drivers listening to really step into that leadership role, especially in times of chaos and what the most important aspects of that are. So can you just give me like the top three most essential 
leadership skills and qualities that you've got to have in order to really make an impact right now in the midst of chaos? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about the top three qualities, I've been through a lot of chaos, both right now with the pandemic, as well as parts different parts of my journey. I was in the middle of an uprising in the Middle East when I was working out there. So I've kind of seen it all. And things that I realized are the first one's clarity and transparency. Leave nothing to interpretation. Right now is a very chaotic and confusing time. People are looking for direct answers and specificity. So speak clearly, very clearly in small and large conversations and act with intention, right? Everything you say should have purpose and intention and help drive a level of calm through the storm, right? People right yeah. now are concerned about their jobs. They're concerned about the future of their their companies are worried about their families. So how do you take all that in and understand how do you mellow that out a little bit? The other one is empathy and it ties back to that first one, right? Our teens before they're anything are human and they're not immune to what's going on outside in the world around them. It's not like they show up to our virtual offices these days between the hours of eight and five and all of a sudden what is happening in the world has gone away. Right. So how do you show empathy in every conversation, every interaction? What do you talk about? Do you check in thinking through things like just simple things as a one-on-one -on -one conversation to what is your company or what have you done to implement mental health days? How do you check in on people's families? All of a sudden children who were at daycares and schools have now shown up at our offices. Mm -hmm. How are we managing through that? And the last one is focus. Right now we've seen the trends. I think as we migrated to this idea of work from home in the pandemic, there was this fear that productivity was going to drop. Well, I think the result and the reality is productivity has actually increased. And so there's a focus on doing as much, improving your worth, improving that you're working so that you can sustain the job that you're fearful you may lose in this environment. So helping your team focus and keep their eyes on the prize is if they focus on everything, they're not doing anything. And so driving alignment around critical priorities, critical asks. So things that we're doing in our organization is we put out a weekly hot list and what we're calling it. And it's basically a list of things that are, these are the top priorities for this week. We know we have a million things going on. Yeah. Focus on just these three today or this week. Meeting agendas that are clear and crisp. Those are more important than ever to make sure you're maximizing every second that you're spending. So I was going to sum it up. It's clarity and transparency, empathy, focus. Oh, I love that. So I have these impact driver mindsets that I teach my students and the first one for I, because it spells impact, of course, the first one is instill focus. And I think that one really, all of them resonate with me, but that one really hits home with me because we're in this time of chaos and because our work-life balance is out the window. And like you said, our furry children and our, you know, the children we created are all in our offices with us. You know, I'm doing group coaching sessions and kids keep popping in and I'm like, bring them in, let them sit on your lap, you know, well, let's say hi. We have to figure out and showing empathy, right? And all of that is really super important, but it's really hard for people to focus right now, especially our PMO leaders and our project managers. They're having the toughest time because they were already, uh, like I like to call it, like the plumber with the leaky faucet, right? They were already putting themselves last, you know, not doing as much of their own project management and planning stuff that they know darn well how to do in organizing themselves and their time because they are always in service of others and taking care of others and trying to help support all of their project teams and all their other people, right? That's the kind of people that take on this role. 
which means they already were having a hard enough time focusing and, and getting their teams to focus. And now all of that just went totally crazy with a global pandemic that hit companies overnight. They were making big changes, big decisions and having to shift. And that made the need for transparency and clarity, empathy and focus so much more important because nobody knew what was going on, right? And so for PMO leaders and project managers, many of the people in their organizations were looking to them to have these answers, to be able to talk about what was going on. Where have we shifted focus? What's happening to resources? How do we handle these delicate situations people are being put in with having to downsize or furlough or move people around and their pet projects were going away? All these things were happening all at once. And it was hard to get people to focus. So I feel like that's a really important one. You can do the other ones well, but if you don't also then throw on top of that, the need to instill focus in your team, connect them with the why of the work they're doing, there's just no way that you could be successful. So I absolutely love these leadership qualities and think they resonate really strongly for me and what I've been teaching my impact drivers to do so that they can not just survive in a time of crisis, but actually thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things you highlighted that I think is really strong is that they all reinforce each other. I don't think any of them can be done without the other. You touched so much on focus in your story, but it was all rooted in the empathy of understanding what was going on in everyone's life, right? And so the ability to empathize not only with your teams and your people, but with yourself and what's going on in your own life and having the self-empathy and the self-love to be able to say, okay, this is what it's rooted in. How do I drive that focus and create that power and instill that within our teams and in myself, right? The leaky faucet of the plumbers. Yes, exactly. And you know, it's one thing that I tell my students, you, you really hit the nail on the head. One of the things I tell my students is they've got to put their oxygen mask on first before they take care of everybody else, you know? And, and I share a story with them of a time in my life where I was in complete and total personal chaos and a flight attendant like shook me out of my ah, crazy and spoke to my soul saying, you have to take care of you first, right? Like she wasn't just going through her perfunctory thing and it hit me so hard. And I realized, wow, I'm so busy trying to make sure everybody else is taken care of that I'm not serving anybody, much less myself. So we can't take care of those around us and we can't. And as leaders in our organizations, we need to be able to take care of others. And it will only happen if we take care of ourselves first. So anyway, I love it. I think it's great. So we started talking about teams. All right. So I want to dive a little bit deeper on teams. We've got to go beyond just pulling the people together. These are great leadership qualities to have. And then we need to make sure we're getting stuff done, right? We've got to make sure that we are building high performing teams. And actually one of those other mindsets is called performing relentlessly, right? And so I'd love your perspective on the approach to building and leading high performing teams and how you do that once you've laid that foundation of the focus and the empathy and clarity and and all that. Yeah. You know, at its core, fundamentally a team is people. So that's where it starts. When I think about it, building a really high performing team or even a high performing organization, it starts with the people, the people make the difference between success and failure. And so we're talking about people, it starts at the top of the funnel in my organization. And what I mean by that is it starts with hiring and bringing in the right talent. And one thing that I try to instill in our teams and our people is I'm not looking for a profile. There is not a perfect fit for my organization. What I'm looking to do is build a team, not hire a bunch of individuals. And so everybody has to have something special. What are they bringing to the table? You talked about relentlessness. I talk a lot about grit, right? The passion, the determination, the focus to never give up, right? What background and industry experience you provide? We are a 
cross-industry, cross-vertical solution. And so I'm looking constantly to not only bring in tech and software people, but also looking to find folks from the marketing world, from the PMO world, from agile backgrounds, folks who've been doing professional services all their career and really have that industry expertise. As I look, what are the skill set gaps that help create my team? Um, the next is building complementary teams as you think about project teams. And one thing that I talk a lot about is avoiding this idea of an echo chamber, right? Mm. The idea of this keeps reinforcing, oh, that's a great idea. Yep, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. Idea. Uh-huh. No, let's have some healthy debate. Let's yeah. not be afraid. One of our values in our organization is this idea of best ideas, plural, win. And we debated about this value for a really long time because initially it was best idea win. Yeah. But the reality is the best idea may not exist. The best idea may be created through the healthy discourse and conversation. And so the best outcomes arise when you're not afraid to dissent, to not be afraid to disagree, but also not create chaos, right? Like there is a very, very fine line between echo chamber and chaos. Right. You want to manage right in the middle of it. So looking at your team is who's going to work well together, but also feel empowered to dissent. Yeah, I love that. And the last one is empowering them with a strong suite of systems and tools, right? That's putting the foundation. And what I want to highlight is it starts with the people, but giving the tools, the resources, the structure they need to be able to effectively work. So driving automation, streamlining communication, enabling visibility, simplifying, automating all the (laughs) crazy administrative overhead that a computer should be doing. You hire ridiculously talented people incredible amounts of brain power, enable them to do the best work of their lives, right? One of our values from my, what my organization does is we help our customers learn and leverage our software solution. And what our team's mission is, is giving our customers the freedom to choose how they use their time. That's Mm -hmm. not my company, that is my team. And this is so important, right? If you are a creative person, be creative. Don't be an administrative overhead. Right. Yes. If you are a project manager or a PMO, be strategic, drive the outcomes that align to the top level business objectives. Don't spend your time chasing people for updates. Right. That kind of stuff can all be automated. So find the right people, build the right teams and empower them with the solution they need to do their best work. Oh, my gosh. You are speaking my love language right now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. So. When I was hiring, when I was building running PMOs in the DC area for 15 years, and I would go speak at all of the PMI conferences, there's five PMI chapters in the DC area, by the way, (laughs) and I would keynote all their conferences and all that. One thing I would say to them is how many of you had your resume on the market in the last, you know, five years or so? Because if you have, I've seen it, right? Because I was constantly in hiring mode for the PMOs I was building. And I was very intentional about finding people with complementary skills and making sure that we were going to have some good, healthy debate in our teams because people had very different perspectives, people with different strengths, different backgrounds, different skill sets, because the diversity in that group created the best dialogue and ultimately the best outcomes. And strategically also allowed me to have different ways to serve the internal groups that we were you know, managing and serving with the PMO when we we're running the enterprise PMO and shared services and things like that, because I would have the team that really just needed somebody to like 
do what uh, one of my program managers called the Jedi mind trick, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't even know they were going through the process and they were just, poof, there they are and they're on the outcome. And they're like, oh, that was great. And then there was others that really had more structure and discipline and could help kind of rein in the groups that really needed that, right? So there's so much value in that, not just from the thought leadership that comes out of that and the ideas and the creative problem solving, but, and everybody grows from that process, right? The rising tide raises all boats because everybody is up leveling and learning other perspectives and different skills, but it also created a lot of opportunity for us to serve our customers, our internal customers better, more effectively. And then you had me with the streamline, automate, optimize. <laughs> I love it. Because, with you. <laughs> because we, and you know, you and I have talked about this, but one thing that drives me crazy is that PMO and project leaders are often called administrative overhead and box checkers. And people see the PMO coming, for example, and they run in the other direction. Well, if that's happening to you, all of you that are watching this and listening, it's because you're spending too much time on the administrivia that should be streamlined, automated, optimized, and you know, use technology. We live in a time where technology can help us take care of all of that because you need the outcomes of that to lead and to have the conversations and have the seat at the table and have the right conversations. Let the science of what we do happen in an automated fashion so that we can focus on the art, which is around relationships and organizational change management and really helping to deliver on the organization strategy. It's the people stuff. That's the stuff that won't get automated. So you've got to make space for it by automating everything else. So I could not agree with you more. I love it. I love where this conversation is going. So thank you. Amen. I love it. Oh, yes, you're preaching. <laughs> okay. So now let's talk a little bit about managing your time, self-management here, right? Because this all sounds great, but we're going to have people listening that are going to have the yeah, but monster climb up on their shoulder and the yeah, but monster is going to say, yeah, but I don't really have time to do all these other things you're talking about. Hopefully they're getting some ideas on ways that they can better streamline their time by, you know, getting rid of the, the noise and the extra. However, this goes deeper than that, right? We really need to understand as leaders in the workplace, how we can effectively manage our own time so that we can help the organization achieve the outcome. So we can help our team so that we can be there to support our team. So what suggestions do you have for people figuring out how to do that in an optimal fashion? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And, you know, the yeah, but monster is real when it comes to time and time is one of our most precious resources, especially in this pandemic environment where yeah. It feels like there is no separation between home and work and you kind of never leave your office and there's not enough time in the day to do right. all the things that the pandemic has created in terms of just additional overhead of work. But the reality is time is our most basic and limited resource. And my guidance, and maybe this is a little bit of a no duh, and I'll get into it a little bit, is strategically manage your time like you would strategically manage any of your other resources, whether yeah. it's money or the energy that you have, you know, I try to spend my time, my personal time where it gets the most impact. So I kind of divide that into two things. And we've talked about this kind of in the first few questions, we've beat around this a little bit, but maybe get to the heart of it. There are strategic brain power consuming activities that require humans. And there are things that consume our time, the things that continue to take us away from the items that drive impact. And so I categorize right. it in two ways human interactions and systematic interactions, if that makes sense. Huh. So 
emphasis on all the human interactions that drive value that cannot be automated regardless of what channel and then automate where you can. So when I think about it, I think about leading in person. So how do you manage morale in an environment like this? How do you inspire and guide and give direction? How do you talk through really complex situations, right? Some things are best discussed over a phone call or over a Zoom conversation. And some things can be done very quickly in two lines via a chat solution. Yeah. So I think about what are the things that really need me to human engage and where does that have the most impact, especially in an environment like this where relationships are at the core of what is driving positive mental health and kind of continuity and all that. So in terms of the actual managing of the work, it's automating all of the work through your system of record. You know, I would recommend Reich, but (laughs) like that. So whether it be status updates, we talked about PMOs chasing, hey, what's the status of this project? What's the status of this? Hey, when are you going to get me this? Yeah. Automate it. Why there's, that is not human valuable. Escalations. We think about a lot of escalations in terms of customer situations and like, automating we built an entire process around automating that process so we can get the escalation right at the right place have the people at the table who need to have the conversation if we need to transition out we transition out to a live conversation transition right back in but we're automating our processes team meetings right we think about i have a regularly occurring meeting that meeting the agenda gets populated automatically gets created populated automatically with automated reminders i literally do nothing but show up five minutes before the meeting that i lead check the agenda and we're ready to go. Right. And so we're maximizing every second of every interaction. Love that. Uh, Regular reporting, right? Again, if you are sending a report on the status of a project or for an entire suite of projects and programs, are you manually building those PowerPoints and those reports and those spreadsheets? Or do you have a solution that's taking the wildly available data that you are going to look for, pulling that all in and building the reports for you that you can say, Hey, executive, share, self-service. If you have any questions, let me know. Let me add the color commentary. Let me give you the executive summary. Let me help you bring the insights from the data. But do I need to put together the spreadsheet every week? It seems like a routine, monotonous level waste of time. So saying that again, automate what you can. And then there's a really important intellectual piece to this, which is transitioning seamlessly between in-person to system and back, right? There is some level of like, we could be having a conversation via Reich or via Slack or via chat. And now we've gone back and forth 20 times over the course of an hour. Mm-hmm. It would have been really wise for us to stop and say, this needs to be a human interaction. There is not a need for us to be going back and forth. We are now in the space of wasting time. So having the foresight and the presence of mind, right? Being very conscious in yeah. what you're doing to transition easily from one to the other have the conversation because it's more impactful and then transition back once you've got the big rocks out of the way. Yeah. So I love it. That's kind of what I would recommend. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. And that really does kind of emphasize that whole, the science and the art, right? I mean, use the tech for all of the things that can be automated so that you're spending your time in the most important area of brilliance, right? For PMO and project leaders, right? <laughs> It's all about leadership and we, we can't forget that. And that's why I tell my community not to even call themselves project managers at all, because I think it undervalues what we actually are doing, which is creating that impact for the organization. So this is so good. So good. Okay. So let's answer the next question that I know that the audience has. Okay, great. So what do I automate? <laughs> right? So I'm sold. I should be doing this. 
what are the things that I can actually automate? Because sometimes people need to see an example or kind of help thinking through because we get so, I think, caught up in valuing ourselves and measuring our value by a lot of these manual things that we're doing that could be automated. So first of all, my advice before we even dig into all the hows is emotionally disconnect from that, right? You are not valued because you run meetings. You are valued because you're facilitating outcomes, right? And so you don't have to be the one manually putting together an agenda or taking you know, copious notes in order for the value to be there. We have to make sure that we're focused on those outcomes. So before I have you go into saying, okay, stop doing all these things, automate these things, I want people to take a step back, emotionally disconnect from where you have been defining your value because we're making space for you to level up and redefine your value in that kind of more the strategic and leadership components as opposed to like the task management stuff can be automated. So break it down for us. What are some things that they can automate? Yeah, before I do, I want to echo what you just said. If you think back to, you know, and this is to the audience here. If you think back to the stories you told at the job you're currently at, when you were going through the interview process, you did not talk about the meeting notes you took. You did not <laughs> so talk not. about the weekly update you gave or the pretty spreadsheet you made so about the impact you drove the outcomes that were created how you made the organization you left better than when you started right it's all about the impact and the outcomes of what you can manifest by leveraging your best asset which is this right and you think about all the things that you may do on a day-to-day that don't require the thought the intel that intelligence rather that you bring to the table all that is wasted capital all that is a wasted opportunity to provide impact not only for you to do filling work but for your organization to reap the benefits of why they brought you in yeah you're selling your companies and your organization short and when i talk about building high performance team i started with the people that you bring and the organization that you're building yeah and you get at the systems and tools to drive and enable you to continue to live in that space of why we hired you yes so exactly. i'm with you Love it. <laughs> so, now we're getting into a little bit tactical and you know a lot of this is in the action taking resource but i want to highlight a few things and i touched on some of it earlier but i think of like two categories of stuff recurring yeah. activities automate <laughs> and then the other one is like business processes automate and so they may not be recurring but they may be worth automating and so when i think of recurring activities i touched on some of these already but team meeting agendas and sourcing inputs and topics and all that like there is no need for you to go here's the team meeting agenda folks hey what do we want to talk about this week yeah. Automate. A system oh, can collect a, all that right. input, right? Like yeah. a system can notify the attendees of a meeting to populate ideas. A system yeah. can collect that information for you. You don't need to do that. Why? Like that is administrative overhead. Weekly updates. We do weekly updates at our company. Um, and most companies do. We put a system in place that the update file gets created automatically. The structure and the templates are all built there. And everyone's assigned. And so you go fill in your little spot and you get out. Like the piece that's valuable that you can engage in is what do I want to share with the rest of the company? That requires a little bit of intellectual capital. And so that's the piece that you should engage in. But the consolidating and collecting and spitting out and and sharing, all that can be automated. And so automating these kind of routine things. We do performance reviews. Every company does performance reviews. Mine get automated. I don't even think about it anymore. Right. Wow. On a quarterly basis, we do reviews for cohorts of our team. I get a reminder that pops up saying, hey, it's quarterly review time. Here are the people that need to be reviewed. Here's the people we need to assign them to. 
go check this matrix to pull in data that is relevant, right? That is all being automated. And then I, the hot list I mentioned earlier, like the weekly priorities, that also is something that gets automated. And we have a template of things that are kind of ongoing work. And so all that's already pre-populated. And the only thing we need to add is what's hot and new for this week. That yeah. in there last week. So how do we automate these things that are just recurring, ongoing, that just need to be done? They're necessary evils, as I would describe them. Yeah. But they're necessary. Yeah. And so, right. um, and the other one's business processes, right? How do you connect systems between each other? So I'll give you a great example. In whether you're a marketing agency, whether you're a PMO working with external stakeholders, connecting your systems to talk to each other and trigger things. So I work in the professional services space. We are often selling engagements, consulting engagements, much like you. And when a consulting engagement closes, we use a system, Salesforce, to manage our entire customer base. Mm -hmm. Once an opportunity closes, it actually triggers the creation of an entire project management plan. Based on a template and a structure based on our defined processes. All we need to do is go in and assign our consultant who's going to be responsible for that particular engagement. And they have an infrastructure in place to manage their projects, see where they're at, share with their customers, track their time, because we all know we all build time in a PS type environment and an agency type environment. And even in, a, right. and so be able to track time against as granular at the pool or by specific tasks or specific work streams, be able to track time against those. Love and it. then you finish delivery. Now you need to build, close and send that to your financial system of record. Again, do I need to go get a summary and then ship that over to finance so finance can go do what they need to do with it? All that can be automated. There is not a need for us to repeat. So repeatable processes. I talk about escalations. I'm not going to go into those again. We do a lot of consolidated learning. And so automating when certain conditions are hit, we trigger like a learning report. We do, we use five whys as a motion to understand what is going on and what trigger kind of a poor outcome or a positive outcome based on our criteria. Oh, nice. And so our team does automated learning, um, but it helps us synthesize our learnings and continue to grow our organization again. The creation of the five whys, the creation of the task, the assigning of task, not valuable. Right. The insights that we'll be able to pull out of that to help the organization elevate and hit our top level priorities at the CEO level yeah. is what's valuable in there. And that's where the intellect comes in. And then OKRs, I think every organization has OKRs and we probably doubled down at this point, but we have a massive infrastructure of how we automate our OKR process in terms of top-down alignment from the CEO down to the C-suite to the VPs, all the way down to the front line, and how we report and calculate and measure that and report out to our board. So oh, I again, love that. I mean, that's, and it's I mean, all inside. You guys use Right for all of that? <clears throat> Just do that right all in your system. We use Right for everything in our organization. Obviously, there are things we obviously use Salesforce. We obviously yeah, 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 the other systems. Right. Like, there's some things. But right. as much as we do for like automation of our business and management of our business to the best of our ability, we're our first customer because we also give us an opportunity to rev on our solution before we bring it yeah. to market. Oh, I love that. That's cool. I haven't seen a lot of systems that do the OKR tracking and reporting and stuff like that, the way you're talking about. So this is cool. And I, and, and it's really how you're automating the entire workflow. And I'm assuming all of that's like customizable based on what your workflow is and all oh, that. Yeah. That just sounds, I love it. That's cool. Oh, you should get, <laughs> I get so excited no, about this stuff because, you know, we can get so caught up in the in administrivia of making the work happen. And there are better answers. There are better solutions. And the only way you can become an impact driver is if you streamline, automate, optimize, minimize the things that are not, helping you provide the best value. And yes, you need the data and the information, all that so that you can answer the questions, right? But 
do you really want to be gathering it off the spreadsheets off of 14 people's desktops? Or is there a more centralized, consolidated way to do that that streamlines the whole process? So I love it. Okay. So I'm going to throw a totally different question out there just to see if I can get a monkey wrench in here. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So we to often talk about leadership and management interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you can, in the context of all that you've been talking about here, there's a lot of both. We've been bouncing back and forth between the things that managers have to do and the things that leaders are doing, right? And so I'm wondering if you could maybe talk about this whole leadership versus management dynamic and how you see the differences there and how that applies to everything we're talking about. Yeah, great question. Unfortunately, not a monkey wrench. So I actually teach on this particular topic. It's oh. a big passive lot of mine. And you know, I, I can simplify it. People don't need to be managed. They need to be led. Yeah. Right? You manage work, you lead people. Leadership is truly about inspiring. Um, I read a great quote by Simon Sinek the other day. Leadership is not about the results. Leadership is about taking care of the people who are responsible for the results. Ooh, I love that. Right? As a leader, you cannot directly influence the result. There is too many results at stake for you to do it all. And if you do, you will fail. Yeah. Sure. So what are you doing to ensure that the people who are responsible for the results and that you are accountable for are getting those results? Are you taking care of them? Are you making sure that they have the resources they need? Are you sure they understand the vision and the mission? Are they driving towards it? Do they feel supported, protected, appreciated? What are you doing to lead and inspire your organization towards the mission so that they can achieve the outcome? I truly believe if you invest and take care of your people, they'll take care of the work that needs to get done because they know the company has their backing. And if nothing else, their leader, their manager has their backing. So when I think about this specific difference, leadership is about the people, full stop. Yeah. Management is you manage, you project manage, you work, manage work, you manage outcomes, you manage workflows. Um, and even as we've talked about this, right, it's managing at the strategic level, right? It's not the push the button, hit send on the email. Right. Um, so that's truly how I think about it. And so a couple of recommendations is hire smart people, invest in them. A big one for us is define, live, and celebrate your values, right? At Reich, we have a, a set of a mission and, a, and company values. And then within our department, our customer-facing department, we have another mission and value that tie into our company one, but give us a little bit of an identity in terms of what we value yeah. within the confines and the framework of the company structure. And we celebrate those on a monthly basis. I mean, we're nominated for the values and showing up in, with our values, whether it be in customer interactions or internally. So making sure that people see that we live and breathe this and then we make sure that our work gets managed, right? Hold, hold the teams and folks accountable. But there's an interesting dynamic that comes up when the leadership infrastructure is strong. The accountability drives itself. Really? Really, really nice. Right. Tell me more I, I about that. I have people holding me accountable. I have people yeah. come to me and saying, hey, this thing that you assigned that I probably already forgot about or, you know, it got pushed down to my task list. They're coming to me and saying, hey, we need to follow up on this. We need to move here. We need to get to this customer. Hey, I need you to engage with this executive or can you reach they're driving the outcome to make sure that they get the results because they have the accountability and they know the organization will have their back. So that's they're driving great. the accountability for what they're responsible for. Oh, that's fantastic. And they have no problem managing up because it's all transparent and everybody can see what's going on. And so it's a very easy thing to do because there's a strong leadership structure in place. That makes perfect sense. I love it. Wow. Amir, this has been so fantastic. Thank Likewise, you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of this with the community. I think there's some really good lessons in here 
And whatever solution people choose, the goal is just automate, right? Just find ways to make the time you're spending more focused on taking care of the people so they can help you achieve those big outcomes. And the more you streamline, optimize, automate, the more you can, like I like to say, perform relentlessly and really deliver for your organization. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hope you all enjoyed it. And don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Rike. Rike is a collaborative work management platform that enables teams to be insanely productive by transforming the way they plan, manage, and complete work. More than 20,000 companies worldwide rely on Rike to manage complex projects and ensure deadlines are met. By bringing everyone into a single digital workspace, no matter where individual contributors are located, Teams can achieve aggressive growth goals while improving efficiency and maintaining quality. Learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Reich. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Reich. So if you have not registered for the PMO Impact Summit yet, what are you waiting for? Make sure you catch Amir, his action-taking resource, and a hundred other sessions at the PMO Impact Summit. Just go right to the website, register for free today, and you'll have two weeks of access to all of this incredible content. It's PMOImpactSummit.com. I can't wait to see you there.